0: One of the best in the biz—it's our good friend Darren Dreger, TSN hockey insider. What's going on, Dregs?
1: Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, got back from Kamloops last night, settled in on the Stanley Cup final now, and just kind of pulled out of a hole this morning and realized what's going on in golf with the PGA oh my God. and uh, Live merging and everything—that's just erupting on social media. I mean, who saw that coming? Obviously, the stars of the PGA tour didn't see it coming, but. Fascinating story to watch
0: unfold. Absolutely, you bring that up. Like I was, I was on my way into the studio, and I was listening back to uh, to some of the the hits on First Up as I typically do, and yeah. immediately I saw the news pop up, and I'm like, I got to go listen to Golf Talk Canada and figure out what the <laughs> heck is going on here. And uh, yeah, that's a crazy, crazy story for anyone. Live and PGA Tour are now merging as as one entity of, of some kind. You're gonna have to definitely go check out the Golf Talk Canada podcast, to find out exactly what's going on there. Yeah. Um, Dregs, uh, Vegas, putting up a touchdown last night. Just, you know, put the pedal to the metal on Florida. I mean, has has the bubble burst here for the Panthers, or are you more of a believer that uh, series not quite over until the team loses on home ice?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not convinced the series is over yet. I have too much respect for, you know, the the work that's been done by the Florida Panthers and the momentum that they rode right up to the Stanley Cup final, but the task is obviously daunting. And in some ways it's, it's a bit like the Florida Panthers are, are imploding and they become their own worst enemy, you know, be it being undisciplined, uh, the penalties that they've taken, you know, how they it were, we credited with having so much structure through, you know, I would say most of the playoffs, you know, seemingly, they're, they're lost. They can't counter what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing, uh, in Florida's defensive zone. And, you know, I, I'm not a goalie whisperer by any stretch of the imagination, but I follow a few on social media, Mike McKenna and others, and it was interesting to get their take on some of the goals that we saw scored last night, uh, that ultimately let, uh, lend itself to Borboski getting pulled and, yeah, you know, how many of those are clearly his fault? Well, I think it's a combination of things, but you know, that was what was so significant going into this series was how well the Florida Panthers played um you know in, in all zones and allowed Barbaschi the opportunity to make the saves and and he found another level. So now that Vegas has gotten to Barbaschi, gotten to the goaltending, gotten to the structure of the Florida Panthers, it's going to be a problem for sure.
0: Well, ultimately, I mean, if if Bobrovsky is is coming down to earth, and we're actually going to have Mike McKenna on the show in in about an hour or so, we'll definitely get get his thoughts on this as well. But if he is coming back down to earth, and I know obviously the defensive structure in Florida has a lot to do with it, but does this team really stand a chance here if if he goes back to being, you know, just a a slightly above-average goaltender, or does he have to play out of his mind much to the way he did in Carolina and in Toronto for them to stand a chance?
1: Yeah, well, I, again, I give him a little bit more credit than that, Mike. I mean, you, you, you clearly need above average goaltending to hoist the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's, that's far from breaking news, but you need help along the way, too. You know, it was 4 nothing, So it's, it's not like the offense of the Florida Panthers, uh, was doing anything to help their goaltending, and, and it seemed like they were a little bit in panic mode. Uh, at times uh, last night as well, so it starts with that. I mean, I, I don't think that there's a question of trust though when it comes to goaltending, be it Bobrovsky or Lyon who uh, relieved him yesterday. I I think everybody that plays in front of the Florida net realizes that their goaltending is is fine, and to this point has been uh, one of the main storylines. I mean, coming into the series, we we soundly talked about Sergey Bobrovsky. Uh, being a, a top con Smythe contender, and now we're shifting over and we're looking at what Jonathan Marshall is doing and we're looking at what Jack Eichel is doing and all those things. And, you know, I bring up Eichel not just because of the, the the point parade that he's been on and how good he's been both ways, both sides of the puck, um but also that near-devastating hit last night delivered by Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. And, man, Eichel, I mean, obviously he was stung, but he looked hurt. And you know, as he described after the game, you know he he got absolutely flushed. He toe picked, put himself in a bad spot. He gets cranked by by uh, Matthew Kachuk, it gets winded on the play, even though it looked more heinous than that. That could have been could have been a series turning point, right? Yeah. I mean, um, taking Jack out of the game for that stretch, you know, that had to have given Florida a little bit of hope that, hey, this is a window that's opening for us, and they didn't take advantage of it. Eichel comes back and kind of picks up where he left off. But if he had left the series entirely because of injury, and thankfully he wasn't hurt on the play, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But Florida doesn't seem to have the right answer to what Vegas is doing.
2: I'm not not convinced he toe-picked. To me, when I watched it and I saw it 15 times, I was like, okay, I see this guy last minute coming at me. How do I get off the tracks and yeah, get out he kind of the way? To yeah. And then he got blown up. But, Drakes, how surprised were you that Eichel came back in the game? I believe it was 4 nothing at the time. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this game's probably put away. Maybe give him the rest of the night. You know, don't, don't, yeah. you don't really. I mean, he came back and made an yeah. impact. He had a nice assist. But why not just give the guy another 20 minutes to breathe and move on to game three?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Unless... And, and Peter, you would know this, unless the player just says, forget it, I'm going back in, and medically, there's no reason I can't go back in. Um, and if that is the case, and I think that has to be the case, then kudos to, to Jack Eichel, um, because if he doesn't come back in, then it becomes a story. Right. right? Then it, and, and whether he's dinged up or not, I mean, every player is at this point of the playoffs, but in Jack's case, it's, it's, it's extra sensitive because of the, you know, the, the, the neck surgery that he had, um, you know, everything that, that goes into the year and and plus that Eichel has experienced. So I think that that was a part of it. I, I think, you know, he was obviously well enough that the medical people for the Vegas Golden Knights said, well, if you feel up to it, man, we don't have any reason to hold you back. And back in he goes, so... That's, uh, I guess that's the type of player that he's evolved into at this stage. Yeah, I agree.
2: I, from a, a former player perspective, coming back into the lineup, it just gives your team a little bit of confidence knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm all right, yeah. I'm here, I can still play. So I think there's something to be said for that. What about moving on to, to Radko yeah. Gudis and, and the Barbashev hit there? I mean, again, just another big, big collision. And yeah. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on, on what Barbashev is setting himself up for following maybe his next contract.
1: Well, a contract that Vegas isn't going to be able to afford. Um, (laughs) They always find a way, They They always find a way. Well, they always do seem to find a way. You're right on that. (laughs) I shouldn't have been so quick to to, uh, get to that conclusion. But at the end of the day, if the Vegas Golden Knights win that Stanley Cup, (laughs) he's going to be a big part of it because he has been to this point. (laughs) And if they can't afford or.
0: Oh, might have lost him there. We definitely did. See think, if we can get him back on, uh, back on the horn. There, it, it, it was like goes like completely dead. So I don't know if he's just gone or hung up. Let's see if we can. Yeah, we'll see if we can try and call him. Maybe back.
2: Maybe he there. didn't like the question. That was it. He's like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
0: it, it, it's a good question though. Like we were, we were talking about it last night in the group chat. Was man, what, what type of contract is Barbersheb setting himself up for here? And I mean, I, I think that he's gonna make a, a, himself a lot of money this summer. He's a UFA. He's someone who. You know, Toronto, I think, would maybe have some interest in. Like, if they I think there's going to be a lot
2: space. of teams that have interest in a player like him.
0: I would imagine so. We got you back, Drakes? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so we were talking
1: about Barbashev, and uh, I was just finishing up my thought. I like he, and this wouldn't come as a surprise. I don't think you know he was arguably the most sought-after available player in St. Louis prior to his deal to uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights, just because of everything that is he is capable of doing. Um, so he's going to get paid. Whether they can afford it, get creative enough, we're going to have to wait and see. You know, Ray and I, Ray Ferraro and I, talked about this on the podcast, which we recorded earlier today. Um, I don't like that hit. I, I don't. I and And Ray believes it's interference all day long. I don't know what you guys think, but that reverse hit... It's not dirty or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that Department of Player Safety should get involved. It wasn't that, but it's a hit that we've seen many times before. The reverse, right? Right. And it's 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 borderline dangerous, borderline dangerous. And in this case, you know, Radko Gudas took the brunt of it. You know, only after he delivered what two or three bone crunching. Body checks in that game when he was somewhat of a question mark going into game two because of his own tough health and yeah. so now if you if you look forward to game three as we all are you got to wonder um, you know he, the extra day maybe helps the Florida Panthers maybe helps Radko Gudas they're a different team when he's not on the ice or in the lineup there's no Gregs, doubt about that
2: Gregs I respectfully disagree I love the hit <laughs> as
1: a as a former
2: player who attempted a few of those at times and was the victim of a few of those at times. It's a physical game. You're in the Stanley cup final. Well, it doesn't matter really what time of the year it is. It's a physical game. You want to create space for yourself. And quite frankly, if you're the person in Goudis's position there, where you're going to make body contact, you're preparing for a physical interaction. You should be prepared for the other guy to defend himself. And in the same instance, it is Radko Goudis. You're expecting to get hit and get hit hard. Because yeah. he plays that type of game, and if I see Rakul Gouda coming coming towards me to finish his check, oh yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna drop my shoulder too and and make sure that I stand my ground. So I don't have an issue with the hit. I I I, I get I get what you're trying to say. It may be a little borderline, but I I personally don't see it that yeah. way.
1: No, and I, I guess I it, it I don't want to be too specific to that hit because, um, I but that hit in general, the reverse, um, I think you could build a case, make a case for it being an interference penalty. Um, But I also agree with you, and it depends on the players involved here. You know, lever than his share. So any player out there, almost automatically, you know, instinctively, aren't you thinking, okay, well, if I'm anywhere near this guy, I got to be prepared to get hit. Um, So in this case, you know, it's the reverse. So for me, generally, generally, that reverse hit is questionable. But, the league doesn't see it that way, and as far as the officials saw, it was a good, clean hit, and uh, everyone moved on except for Rad Kugutis.
0: Uh with Darren Dreger. So, how do you get it back on the rails if you're Florida? You're down two zero. You're going back to your home <laughs> building. Like, what what's the game plan have to be Thursday night for them to to get back into the series?
1: Well, I think they have to learn and, and get back to taking advantage of opportunities, um, and their power play. Didn't look good in the first game. Uh, Early on in the second game, I thought it looked pretty sharp. They had a few opportunities there where they could have capitalized on the power play and just they couldn't find a way to beat Aiden Hill. And they had Vegas on their heels with the man advantage. So you look at the game sheet and what were they, both for four? And, you know, I think Vegas was two for four. Well, those are big goals, right? Those are big goals. So maybe something like that. Florida, for the most part, has been pretty opportunistic to this stage. Yeah. You know, be it with a man advantage or uh, a timely goal. I mean, go down the list. Carver Heggie had a chance early in the hockey game. They get one early. You know, maybe that again shifts that momentum back on Florida's side and Vegas tightens up a little bit, but Florida wasn't able to do that. So I think it's just a the simple sort of routine stuff that you need to be able to deliver on you know, at this point of the Stanley Cup postseason. And getting that early goal, especially on the road, can make a heck of a difference. Uh,
0: let's bring around the league a little bit here, Dregs. Uh, you were just out in Kelowna watching the Memorial Cup. Paddy Waz, Quebec Ramparts came out on top, and immediately speculation starting to run rampant with him and his future and potentially getting back into the NHL with, with many vacancies still available. Uh, do you expect for him to be coaching in the NHL next year? What's What are you hearing about Patrick Waugh and his future?
1: Well, I know he wants to coach in the NHL next year, but it's pretty wa- uh, quiet around Patrick Waugh. I mean, we in the media have, have speculated uh, until the weekend that, well, why wouldn't the New York Rangers be, a bit, right? I mean, an uh, enormous market. Patrick Waugh can, can handle all of the responsibility that goes along with that. He's got the, the history with Chris Dury, the general manager. They were teammates on championship teams in, in Colorado. But then the reporting out of New York, uh, and I'm assuming it's coming from sources within the New York Rangers, is that now they're not interested in Patrick Waugh. Uh, he talked to Columbus. Um, it, it clearly didn't go that far, but I think uh, he felt, they felt, like it was a decent conversation. So now you look at... at some of the empty chairs and wonder whether or not he could fit there doesn't seem likely that he'd end up in calgary for me um you know so then we you know we we look at some of the other spots greg cronin named head coach in anaheim anaheim would have made some sense
0: i thought so too young team yeah Yeah. i don't know what the relationship might be between verbeek and and say a patrick wah
1: you know, Patrick Waugh is a strong-minded dude. I don't, I don't think that he's disruptive or needs to run his own show or, or any of that. But he's he's a big personality, no doubt about that. And and that may not be for everyone. So he he may have to be patient. But let's you know, let's see what the next several days you know uh bring forward um and and then we can kind of assess from there but what more can he do with major junior hockey i mean there's there's nothing more he can do and i'll tell you guys from having a, a front row seat at the memorial cup i think many thought with the star power of the seattle thunderbirds that they were going to come in and uh and just run the table of the Memorial Cup and eh, they pretty much did until they they ran into the Quebec Rempart. That team is as structured as any good team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> you know, that's just how they play. So that has to be a reflection of not only Patrick Wah but the coaching staff of the Rempart as well. So he's ready to get back whether there's an opportunity have to wait and see.
2: Well, wow. I think you said it well, that what more can you accomplish at the junior hockey level? And one of the things that I really like to see as well when they did win was, was going up to his players and the players going up to him and just the bear hugs. And you could tell how much they just really enjoyed playing for him. And so for me as a former player and getting to share that with your coach, that's a pretty special thing. And yeah. Gregs, I guess I guess elsewhere around the league as well, we saw Cole Caulfield sign an eight-year extension with the Habs. Yeah. How soon before we see this contract, you know, in terms of looking like a steal. And, and maybe you could also relate that to a potential Matthews extension and, and potentially leaving yeah. some money on the table there.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I think Cole Caulfield got paid well. I mean, just over $7.8 million annual average salary. Come on. I mean, that's a lot of money over a, a maximum extension eight years. Uh, he's a pure goal scorer. That's what he is. There are parts of his game that he knows he's got to work on. He's still very young and, uh, to a point still underdeveloped. And, you know, his comps to get uh, like Tim Stutzla, nah, was probably a little bit lofty, but I think that that is, is excellent and, and fair value. Um, Brad Trillium is, he's working it. You know, I, I guarantee you he's had several conversations before and since getting the job as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs with Judd Moldaver, who represents Austin Matthews. Of course you would. You, There's nothing more that Trilliving would 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 like to get done than a contract extension with Matthews on or around July 1st. Um, as we've reported on an insider trading, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, Matthews has a say in all of this. And even though July 1st, no move clause kicks in, likewise for Mitch Marner, you know, at the end of the day... Yeah, you know, it's it's got to be right. Everything about it, the extension, has to be right. Maybe they get there. They might. I, again, Matthews has to be, you know, a top priority for uh, Brad Treliving, along with getting to know Shelton Keith, the head coach of the Maple Leafs, as quickly as he can. But yeah, I mean, some of these deals happen. But if we look back quickly to Caulfield, it's it's not like they got that deal done at the last second. I mean, Ken Hughes and Pat Brisson have been negotiating on. Cole Caulfield for several months to be fair. So these things can take time.
2: Yeah, and I guess coming back to the one point you made there, does Matthews hold all the cards in this negotiation with yeah. the Leafs, or, or, or do the Leafs have any leverage in terms of, of working that AAV?
1: Yeah, not really, um, but that's where Brandon Pritham you know, the, the cap guru of the Toronto Maple Leafs is at his finest, and you know he would have multiple versions of what a contract extension looks like. Ironed out, you know, long before now, right? right. Um, what's a five-year extension look like? Hey, I, not to, to to throw shade at Kyle Dubas because he would have had all kinds of input from all of the management types within the Leafs organization, including Brendan Shanahan. But you can't be upset with having to give Austin Matthews potentially another five year deal when you gave him one right out of the entry level contract, right? Isn't it
2: it weird that Austin Matthews, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL, is going to have two five year deals and not a max? I believe that was
1: by design by Austin Matthews (laughs) potentially. Well, and and that'll put him up in position for another contract, which will be yet another mega deal. So it it's going to be what makes sense to both, both in annual average salary and in term. You know, let's say the annual annual average salary is thirteen five. You know, okay, well that makes him the highest paid player in the game, um, but maybe because of that he's willing to take less term. Um or he wants the fifteen million or whatever that number is. And you've got to stretch that out over a longer term. So there are many options that I'm sure Brad Trelliving has uh, scraped holes in his forehead trying to think about over the last number of days here.
0: Uh, really quickly before you leave, since we're on the you know conversation of extensions and whatnot, uh, our burning question yesterday that we've been doing had to do with us digging into the goaltending situation in Toronto next season. Uh, what do you think a deal would look like for Ilya Samsonov next year like it's it's kind of one yeah. where it's like he's had this is a kind of his breakout season I suppose and but it's only been one year are you ready to give him no. some term just still kind of see what's up there
1: I'm not not unless uh you know again the AAV is is team friendly and mm-hmm. what does that look like um you know Samsonov may feel like he's played enough, played enough in in uh, Washington, and then was the starter for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe he feels that he's proved enough that he can get uh, a bigger deal than the one that I envision. I envision a shorter term and in the high threes. That's that's kind of what I look at. Like, Murat, right?
0: like what Mrazek's deal kind of ended up being. Yeah, he, to he, that.
1: He, yeah, you get around four, maybe low four. Ah, that's that's getting up there. That that's getting up there. So. Uh, haven't heard a whole lot about that, to be fair, but it's you know put put, put his situation into the same grouping with the rest of these guys. He doesn't get the same sort of of fanfare. Um, for the obvious reasons, but he's certainly deserving of attention. and He's probably getting that already from uh, Maple Leafs management.
0: Yeah, I'd assume he's down the list a little, though. An RFA, so they have after, mm-hmm. they just got to qualify him, and then they can figure it out at some point in the offseason. There's a couple more guys, I think, that, uh, yeah, that, that are yeah. ahead of him. I'd expect we'll hear some, I mean, some UFA's got to get signed, too, in the next little bit. So uh, hopefully we get some news uh, that we can break or, or, right. or break down next week when you have you on again. Yeah. Appreciate the time as always, Drags. All right, guys. Have a good one. You as well. There he goes. Darren drager TSN Hockey Insider. He was, uh, it's, it's, it is interesting because I find that there's less love for Samsonov than I thought. Mm. Like we were talking about this yesterday about whether or not we were comfortable with the goaltending situation going into next year. If it was going to be Ilya Samsonov, and Joseph Wall. And it appears to me, just based on the conversations that I've had with people, uh, I had Dave Festchuk last week. We were talking about it. He's not quite sold on Samsonov as a long-term solution. CJ even said, like, yeah, there's still some question marks if you go in with that tandem. And Dregs didn't seem like he was sold either. So there seems to still be a little hesitancy for Ilya Samsonov. And I wonder how much of that has to do with you know the struggles that he had come postseason. I think that
2: must be it, because leading up to that point, it sure felt like there was a lot of confidence.
0: His numbers after the regular season, and this is the problem with Toronto. It's, <laughs> it's all regular season success, but he was a top 10 goaltender in terms of you know the underlying numbers. You could argue he was a top 10 goal in the NHL this year through the regular season. And then the playoffs came, and he was a sub-900 goalie.
2: Yeah, but in the regular season, he was about a 920 save percentage.
0: He was good. He was so, great. Yeah, I think I think the
2: Leafs had a lot of reasons to believe that he was going to be there for them throughout the regular season. He, and he, he seemed to prove that right. So it's interesting how the narrative has sort of shifted. But again, it's a performance-based business. It's what have you done for me lately? And if we're judging him off of his postseason playing, then perhaps it's fair to be looking for a, a more friendly number than perhaps may have been warranted if we were only basing this off of the regular season.
0: Yeah, and look, I think because you're also getting such a cheap deal in, in Joseph Wall, like he's making... You know, I love that contract. Seven hundred and seventy-five <laughs> grand, or something like that. Seven hundred and sixty-six, I think, even a little less. Like you, you feel good if you can get another goaltender at under four million, and all of a sudden you're like, we're under four and a half, basically for our tandem.
2: Yeah, I think if you can wrap up two goalies who you have a lot of trust and belief in for under four and a half million, I think you're doing really, really well.
0: One allows you to address the other parts of the roster, right? It allows you to maybe put an extra. $1 or $2 million into a top-four defensive instead of having to go off the scrap heap. Well,
2: right? exactly. Well, depending where, again, you can save your shekels, you can apply them elsewhere to potentially a, somewhere that has a little bit more of a need. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you that getting two guys on the back end who you have trust in, if one goes down, the other one can come in, less of an A and B and maybe more of a 1A, 1B type situation I think that that just provides you a little bit more flexibility.
0: Yeah, and we saw a lot of goaltenders last off season who were in this similar situation where they were tandem goaltenders, younger, but you know showed out showed well. You know, I'm thinking Georgiev was one of those guys, Billy Husa was one of those guys, and they all got you know between three and a half and four million. So I would think that that's roughly the range that I would look at for Samsonov. You know, a three year deal maybe in the three and a half range, and all of a sudden that's your tandem going forward. You know, you've got Joe Wall and and, and Samsonov for, for you know a few seasons and see where that takes you. Yeah. Or there's the other option of trying to get into the Connor Hellbuck sweepstakes, but that's <laughs> but a then completely one, different. That's a completely
2: different conversation, and it also involves moving some bigger pieces as right. well, because you got to make room for him.
0: Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Lots of stuff to get into uh this this offseason, and I think the Samsonov extension is probably far down on Brad Tulliving's list. Austin Matthews. That guy is definitely high on the list, and that is our feature question of our uh, Leafs burning question today, which we'll get to in a little bit. We'll also be joined by Mike McKenna later on today. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Peter Holland. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.